We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 420 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Hmm. Episode 420. If only there was a way that we could properly commemorate that. I'm not sure what we could do. Oh, well, maybe something will come to me. Hey, we may all need to light one up on Thursday night in order to deal with the Commanders. As yes, it is a Commanders game day in the nation's capital. We are pre-gaming the 1-4 Commanders at the 2-3 and three Chicago Bears on Thursday night football at 8-15. The Commanders at the Bears on Thursday night football. The Bears. The Bears. Yes, thank you. The Bears. Uh, what a what awaits us? I mean, is what awaits us a fifth consecutive loss for the Commanders? Is what awaits us more pain and agony? Is what awaits us the continuation of a downward spiral for the Commanders? Or is what awaits us, maybe just maybe, an actual win. You remember what that's like, right? A win? We actually had a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one, if you can believe that. Uh, Coming up on the show, in-depth Commander's Bears preview. Next segment, the latest on injuries for the Commanders. Uh, And I will warn you, the news on Wednesday was not good. Uh, Certainly wasn't good for the offense. I'll get into that. Uh, Benched corner William Jackson III reportedly didn't even travel with the Commanders to Chicago. What up with that? Uh, Just how bad is this Commander's William Jackson situation getting? I'll talk about that. And I'll get into what a loss for the Commanders at the Bears could mean. For the commanders. Uh, the special guest for you, Zach Pearson, Bears Insider for BearReport.com and co-host of the Bear Report podcast. Uh, Zach's really good. We'll learn a lot about the Bears from him. And I'm gonna ask him about quarterback Justin Fields. Should Washington have traded up in the 2021 NFL draft to take Fields, or did Washington dodge a bullet? And not doing that. Uh, I have rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Bears, and I'll give you a prediction for the game as well. Also on the show, the Capitals, a dud of a 2022-2023 regular season opener, a 5-2 loss to the Boston Bruins at Capital Win Arena on Wednesday night. I have some thoughts. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jack L., on Commander's Head Coach Ron Rivera, writes Jack, Don Ron sounds like a leader in a difficult situation who gives confusing answers because he fails to follow the Galdi rule, which is when one is in charge and there is success, credit goes to all others and none goes to yourself. And when there is failure, all blame goes to yourself and none to others. That, as you have said many times, is what leaders do when in business. I live by that rule. And that is exactly what Ron does not do, never. And he blames others or circumstances. The small blame talk that he gives to the coaches is weak, meaningless, and insulting to the players. Also, 
To me, Ron's one-word answer of quarterback was him still fuming and blaming Carson Wentz for the loss on Sunday. My impression from that one-word answer was Ron still fuming about Wentz not getting the game-winning score and the resulting loss causing Ron to feel a ton of pressure from all sides, fans, press, and ownership on down. Ron will get another year or two to continue to run his retirement home on Dan's dime for former Carolina Panthers loser players and office personnel failures. As always, thank you. For the good job you do, I truly enjoy your podcast and wish you great success. Thank you, Jack. Very nice of you to write that. Uh, Yeah, the rule for success and failure in football and really in all of sports and I guess in all aspects of life is you say we when you win and you say I when you lose. You say we or us when things go well. You say I or me when things do not go well. It's all about the pronouns. You know, a lot of talk about pronouns in our world these days. Well, in sports, the rule with pronouns is you say we or us when you win, and you say I or me when you lose. Uh, Rod Rivera had not been doing a very good job of displaying accountability and taking responsibility for the commander's struggles this season. He, during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon, very interestingly, went out of his way to display accountability and take responsibility. I talked about that on Wednesday's show, episode 419. We'll see how Ron talks about the struggles moving forward. Hopefully, though, there will be no struggles to talk about moving forward. Hopefully, there will be nothing but success to talk about moving forward. Uh, Email from Andy in Leesburg, Virginia, on the commander's fail that was them failing to score a touchdown despite having the ball at the Tennessee Titans' two-yard line late in the 21-17 loss to the Titans' at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon. Writes Andy, I wonder if Ron Rivera or Scott Turner thought about bringing in Taylor Heineke for the final series in the red zone against the Titans. Almost like a Taysom Hill or Cam Newton role, I can't help but think that Heineke would have had a better shot at succeeding. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy, but Turner and Carson Wentz aren't quite on the same page yet, especially in the red zone, and the season might be lost by the time that they figure things out. I'm not down on Carson. He has had a rough start, but Scott Turner and the offensive line aren't helping. Love the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Andy. Much appreciated. You know, it's not a bad idea bringing in the very mobile Taylor Heineke for a spot like that, especially considering that calling a running play was tricky given that the commanders didn't have any timeouts left. But the concern would be if Taylor Heineke cold off the bench would be able to immediately make the play of the game. Like, would our guy, Tay-Tay, without having played at all in the regular season, have been able to come into the game and make a huge clutch play? Maybe the answer is yes, but, you know, Carson Wentz was in the flow of the game. He, on that drive, had made a number of key plays. He did not do well over those three plays from the Titans, too, no doubt. Three failed pass attempts, each of which was a near pick or an actual pick, although I still come back to the play calling. Uh, Why Scott Turner didn't make more of a concerted effort to spread out the Titans, I do not get You know, play calling 101 in the red zone is to spread out the defense in order to open things up, and the commanders uh, really did not do that. Uh, Email from Josh on commanders quarterback Carson Wentz, writes Josh, all those folks like Dr. Sabah who are calling for Wentz's head have short memories. Carson Wentz is our best option at quarterback. Without him, we don't have any of those deep touchdown passes that we have had this year. I like Taylor Heineke, but he is no deep threat. And we saw that all of last season. The most dangerous place in the DMV is not the main streets of DC. No, the most dangerous place in the DMV is behind the commander's offensive line. Wentz has been mugged so much this year already. I'm sure he hears footsteps in his sleep. I don't think there is any quarterback in the NFL who would fare much better behind our line. Uh, Thank you for the email, Josh. Uh, I do think that if you are ranking the commander's biggest problems this season, the offensive line is number one. Uh, Carson Wentz has not been the commander's biggest problem. The offensive line has been their biggest problem. Now, Carson certainly has not been good enough to overcome the bad offensive line, but to Josh's point, a lot of NFL quarterbacks would not be good enough to overcome the commander's offensive line. Understand, the commanders through week five are just 30th in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate for the 2022 regular season and are just a 29th in the NFL in ESPN's team run block win rate for the 2022 regular season. There are 32 teams in the NFL. The Commanders are 30th in pass blocking and 29th in run blocking. The collapse of the Commanders' offensive line is the team's 
number one problem this season. That's not to say that Carson Wentz has been some massive strength, but uh, he has played well at times. And in fact, he has played very well at times. Well, we always hope that things are going well in your life, but if you have been victimized by the negligence of someone else, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. Hey, maybe Carson Wentz should contact Paulson and Nace about what Carson has had to deal with with this commander's offensive line. Hey, Carson, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly one million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Well, let's add up all of the things that the Commanders have working against them in their game at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night. A, the Commanders are on a short week. So are the Bears, but still. B, the Commanders are playing on the road. C, the Commanders are in the midst of a four-game losing streak. And D, the Commanders on Wednesday afternoon ruled out six players for the game. Uh, Receiver Jahan Dodson will be out for a second consecutive game due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the 25-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys in Week 4. Tight end Logan Thomas will be out for a second consecutive game due to a calf injury. Right tackle Samuel Cosme will be out for a second consecutive game due to a finger injury, uh, a reported thumb injury for which he underwent surgery on October 4th. Running back Jonathan Williams will be out due to a knee injury that he suffered in the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Safety Percy Butler will be out for a second consecutive game due to a quadriceps injury. And corner William Jackson III will be out due to <clears throat> his ailing back. Uh, yeah, this William Jackson situation is getting very interesting. We on Wednesday afternoon had multiple reports that Jackson wouldn't even be traveling with the commanders to Chicago for this game. It's one thing to be out for the game. It's another thing to not even travel with the team for the game. Now, maybe you can say, hey, The guy is a bad back. If he's not going to play, why subject his back to flying to and from Chicago? Okay, that's not illogical, but it's impossible to see and hear that William Jackson III isn't even traveling with the team and not at least wonder if this is yet another sign of the fall from grace of old WJ3 with Washington. Uh, In other words, he got benched in the loss to the Titans He played on just 23% of the commander's defensive snaps in the game. And now he's not even traveling with the team when normally injured players do travel with teams. Are the commanders just done with William Jackson III? Uh, Has he become such a malcontent that they don't even want him around the team anymore? Does he himself not want to be around the team? Like, what exactly is going on here? You know, him being benched in the loss to the Titans did not at all feel like a one-game thing. That very much felt like the end for him with the Commanders. We'll see, right? I mean, things can change. Injuries happen. Circumstances evolve. I get that. But you know what the William Jackson, the third situation, is reminding me of? 
the Josh Norman situation in 2019. Do you remember that? Josh Norman, like William Jackson III, a big money, unrestricted free agent corner who was signed by Washington. Josh Norman, like William Jackson III, was not used by Washington in the same way in which the player was used with his previous team. In Norman's case, ironically enough, right, with the Rodden Rivera head coached Carolina Panthers. And Josh Norman, perhaps like William Jackson III, buried on the bench in the player's final season with the team. The Redskins, in their horrendous 3 13 2019 regular season, benched Josh Norman for each of five consecutive games, weeks 12 through 16, before he was inactive due to illness for week 17. My favorite part of all of this was the following Norman in the Skins 37 27 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in week 15 of the 2019 season played on just six defensive snaps. But one of those defensive snaps was him giving up the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Norman got beat by receiver Greg Ward Jr. on a touchdown pass by, wait for it, quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson had a go-ahead first and goal four-yard touchdown pass with 26 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The recipient of the touchdown pass was Greg Ward Jr. Who was Greg Ward Jr., you ask? Greg Ward Jr. was a guy who had been cut or released by the Eagles six different times and who had played for the San Antonio Commanders of the defunct Alliance of American Football. Uh, That's who Greg Ward Jr. was. And Norman got thrown into this game and got beat by Greg Ward Jr. on that big touchdown pass. Uh, So yeah, William Jackson III may well be in 2019 Josh Norman territory. Uh, I want to address Logan Thomas being out for a second straight game with this calf injury that we did not learn of until last Friday. So do you remember all of the talk in the lead up to this season about how much Carson Wentz loves throwing to tight ends? How many times did you hear that in the lead up to this season? Well, you know, Carson loves to throw to tight ends. Well, do you know what hasn't been happening much this season? Carson Wentz throwing to tight ends. Uh, The commanders are getting next to nothing from the tight end position. Uh, Logan has not looked like himself as he's coming off the torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus that he suffered in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders last December 5th. And now he's dealing with this calf injury. You know, you do fear that this could end up being a lost season for Logan Thomas, what would be a second straight lost season for Logan Thomas off signing that contract extension. And there just hasn't been much happening with the commander's other three tight ends on the active roster, John Bates, Armani Rogers, and Cole Turner. Uh, You look at the loss to the Titans. Bates had three receptions for 39 yards on three targets and playing on 59% of the commander's offensive snaps. Rogers was not targeted and committed a penalty and playing on 8% of the commander's offensive snaps. And Turner was active of having been inactive for each of the commander's first four games of the 2022 regular season, but he had no receptions on three targets and playing on 51% of the commander's offensive snaps. You know, that Cole Turner couldn't even get active until this past Sunday is a story in and of itself. A lot of hype for Cole Turner this past offseason, right? The commanders took Turner in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft out of Nevada, but he up until this past Sunday when Logan Thomas and John Donson were inactive, couldn't beat out Armani Rogers to be active. And, you know, keep in mind who Rogers is, an undrafted free agent out of Ohio who in a five-season collegiate career was a quarterback at both UNLV and Ohio. He only made the switch from quarterback to tight end ahead of the East-West Shrine game in Las Vegas this past February. Uh, Armani Rogers is a nice story, but like, what does it say about Cole Turner that he couldn't even beat out Rogers to be active? Uh, now, Turner did play a lot more than Rogers did this past Sunday afternoon, and maybe that is what we'll see moving forward. But yeah, I mean, the tight end position just has not been a productive position for the commanders so far this season. The list of complaints with the commander's offense so far this season is a mile long. One of the things on that list for me is this glaring lack of production for the commanders at tight end. So what if the commanders lose at the Bears? Uh, What if the commanders come out of this game one and five? Then what? I mean, I don't think that like Ron Rivera's job as head coach and or Scott Turner's job as offensive coordinator and or Carson Wentz's spot as a team starting quarterback are on the line in this game at the Bears, but it's all very simple. 
the worse that things get this season, the more that change could be coming, and quickly. A crater season, a disaster of a season, could result in Rod Rivera being out as head coach. I do think that it would take a crater season, a disaster of a season, for him to be out as head coach, but so far, this has been a crater season. This has been a disaster of a season, and you know, Ron didn't help things with his one-word answer of quarterback during his day-after-the-game press conference this past Monday afternoon. Uh, With Carson, look, once the commanders are out on this season, and one in five certainly draws you closer to being out, then it's Sam Howell time. And it's make sure that Carson doesn't get to 70% of the offensive snaps time. Uh, Remember, among the items that the commanders gave up to the Indianapolis Colts for Carson via trade this past March was a third-round pick in the 2023 NFL Draft that can become a second-round pick in the 2023 Draft. The pick will become a second-round pick if Carson plays on at least 70% of the commanders' offensive snaps in the 2022 regular season. Uh, Making sure that that pick doesn't turn into a second-round pick for the Colts absolutely should factor into the decision-making for the commanders at quarterback if slash when the team is out on this season and is focusing on 2023. Now, what exactly does being out on this season mean? Does that mean out for all intents and purposes, or does that mean mathematically out of playoff contention, because it may take a while for the commanders to be mathematically out of playoff contention. I mean, I'm sure that nobody wants to hear this right now, and I'm not saying that this should be dictating anything, but if you look at the NFC standings, the commanders are only a two-game winning streak away from being right in the mix for a wild card spot. So it could take a while for the commanders to truly shift into 2023 mode if, in fact, the team isn't going to do that until being mathematically out of playoff contention. And this is the danger with this 70% thing with Carson Wentz. The nightmare scenario is the commanders don't bench Carson because of some far-fetched, pie-in-the-sky, mathematically possible playoff hope. The hope doesn't come to fruition, and the commanders end up playing Carson on at least 70% of their offensive snaps for the 2022 regular season and lose that 2023 second-round pick to the Colts and then end up parting with Carson this offseason. Like, that would be a killer of a scenario. As for the Bears, uh, there's a lot to be aware of with them. We're going to find out more about them with our special guest in moments. But speaking of being aware, uh, be aware that now is a good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. I know, the mortgage rates, but the increases in mortgage rates are being offset big time by decreases in housing prices caused by higher inventory, which has been caused by the increases in mortgage rates. Oh, the irony. And so if you have been wanting to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, now is actually a great time to buy. And you got to get with real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market. He is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life, whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize. Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy. He will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing right now, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you.
We continue to pregame. We continue to prepare for the 1-4 Commanders at the 2-3 and three Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football at 8.15. Time now to learn all that we need to know about the Bears. And I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Zach Pearson, Bears insider for BearReport.com and co-host of the Bear Report podcast. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach underscore Pearson, and that's Z-A-C-K underscore P-E-A-R-S-O-N. Hey, Zach, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Good to have you on. Uh, so the Bears are two and three. Generally speaking, is their season going about as expected, or are there aspects of the Bears' season that have been surprising? Um, I'd say a little bit of both. Um, going into this season, I think the majority of Bears fans kind of knew that this roster was going to be pretty bad. Um, they're kind of in a rebuilding mode, so there were going to be some struggles, um, especially offensively. The thing that's kind of surprising is just how bad the offense was the first couple of weeks and like the lack of development from quarterback Justin Fields. Um, I think many people were okay with, okay, the Bears could be a bad team, maybe finish in the top 10 uh, in terms of draft pick, but Justin Fields maybe shows some signs of progression. Up until the Giants game two weeks ago, that just wasn't the case. They, they were really bad offensively. Um, now he's kind of put it together the last two games and kind of showing some promise. So, yeah, to answer the question, I, I just say it's, it's kind of been a little bit of both here in Chicago. There was a lot of talk here in the Washington, D.C. area about Washington being interested in taking quarterback Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL draft. It turned out that Washington liked Fields but didn't love him and stood pat with the number 19 pick. The Bears, of course, ended up trading from number 20 to number 11 to take Fields. The numbers for Fields in the NFL are not good. As things stand right now, should the Bears regret having traded up in the 2021 draft to take Fields, or is there still legitimate hope that he'll work out? So I don't think they regret it. Um, the thing to kind of keep in mind is it's a different regime now. Um, it was Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy who traded up the draft Justin Fields last year. The thing that kind of irritates me and Bears fans is that the Bears let the Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace era go one year too long. And I think that kind of hindered Justin Fields' development. I don't know if they get Justin Fields if they fire him after that 2020 season, after they lost to the Saints in the playoffs. They opted to run it back. They traded up um, to land Justin Fields, who I thought was probably the second best quarterback in that class behind Trevor Lawrence. And I think a lot of people agree with that, too. Um, but right away, you know, they put him in a position to fail in my eyes. They were committed to Andy Dalton for whatever reason. They, they signed Dalton before they drafted <laughs> Fields. They didn't even give Fields a chance. I'll go back to training camp 2021. I was at every practice. My count, and I think a lot of other reporters have the same number, right around the same area, five to six snaps with the first team, all of training camp. That's just unacceptable. I'm not saying he has to get you know, 60 70%, but man, five to six total snaps with the first team, that sets you behind. His rookie year was a disaster. Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor went on and off with, with play-calling duties. Nagy refused to give him up at a time, refused to give you know full control to Lazor. And it kind of hurt Justin Fields' development. Here, I think they got the right guy in Luke Getze coming in as the offensive coordinator. They got a couple other guys in that quarterback room um, to kind of help Justin Fields. I think the talent's there. I just think we're seeing a slow start to his career. And maybe, you know, I'm not saying it's none of it's his fault or anything like that, because I do think there is some blame on how he's played for him. I think the Bears have just not put him in, in a good situation. And unfortunately here in Chicago, that's been the case for a lot of quarterbacks over their careers here. Um, it, it's just been not a good situation for them to, to be in. And, and I think we're seeing the same here with Fields. Yeah, the commanders and Bears are like brothers in arms in terms of quarterback struggles <laughs> for decades here. What have been the biggest negatives with Justin Fields as an NFL quarterback? Like when you watch him, what are the things that stand out to you as the things that need to get better? Yeah, I think the one right off the top of my head that we've seen a lot this year is just kind of missing the open receivers, um, you know, and that's part of the development as well. There's been a couple this year where we've gotten to talk to him after the game, and he just said pretty much that the read wasn't open in practice when they've, when they've you know, repped that all summer and in practices, so he doesn't even look for it. 
um, really good NFL quarterbacks find that no matter what. Um, you might see it again on Thursday night where there'll be a guy open. Maybe it's his third or fourth read on a play. He gets open and Fields instead decides to tuck it and run. I, I think that's another problem. Maybe that's not all his fault, though. Their offensive line has just been brutal in pass protection. I mean, you'll see Fields scrambling a lot and trying to make plays with his legs. I think the accuracy at times is a little bit of an issue. He's got really good deep accuracy. We've seen that the past two weeks, connecting with Darnell Mooney a couple times. Um, but kind of that intermediate short throws that you expect him to make, he kind of struggles with consistency there. Um you know, I'm trying to think, really, those, those are probably the, the two. I would say there are times where he does tuck it and run a little too early. He hits that first read, it's not there, and he says, oh, okay, I got to go. He'll even do it on clean pockets, too, which gets a little frustrating. It's all part of the process, though. It's all part of the learning process for him, and I think he's getting better as the games go on. You mentioned the Bears' offensive line. It's funny, the Commanders' two starting offensive tackles on Thursday night will be two former Bears in Charles Leno Jr. and Cornelius Lucas. But uh, overall, the Bears' offensive line has been a weakness so far this season? Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned Lucas and, uh, and Leno. I think both were seventh-round picks, too, or, or, or one was a seventh and one was undrafted. I actually liked both of them here in Chicago. I, I thought they both played well. Um, but, yeah, they, they've really struggled in the Bears' offensive line. Tevin Jenkins is probably their best offensive lineman right now, and he's a guy who came into the league. He played guard and tackle in college. They tried him at left tackle last year. Kind of didn't really work out. Tried him at right tackle this year. He lost his job. Um twice he lost it to a rookie fifth round pick in braxton jones and then lost it to larry borum on the other side but then he all, all, all of a sudden comes out one day at practice and he's a right guard and he just kind of takes that position and, and goes with it in in, in training camp and preseason and then they um decide lucas patrick and him are going to switch series every two series for every game except for last week which has been wild to me i don't understand that at all but yeah i mean their offensive line is just, it's a big weakness, especially on the inside. Um, that left guard spot, the center spot is really, with Sam Buster at center, I mean, he's getting driven back big time in pass protection. He's whiffing on blocks. He's missing blocks, um, missing reads. Uh, yeah, he's struggled. Lucas Patrick has been at left guard. He's had a rough time. I think he's better as a natural center. I don't know why they don't go with him there. And then the tackles on the uh, on the outside, I think Washington can get some good pressure out there. You know, Braxton Jones is a fifth round draft pick out of Southern Utah, small school, um, who, who started right away in training camp at, at left tackle. And he's played well, but he's also had his rookie moments and his rookie lumps. That's okay. That's going to happen. That's how you get better. Um, and he's gone up against some really good pass rushes so far this year in San Francisco and in New York and Green Bay. I think he gets another good one here in Washington. So that'll be a test for him. But you know, um, Larry Borm on the other side, the right side tackle, not very good. And you'll see, you know, guys blowing up those tackles or guys coming up the middle. And it's pretty much field spinning or um, fields having to get the ball quick or the running backs essentially making plays and making guys miss. Well, with the running backs, we have a lot of Hokies fans who listen to this podcast. The rise of running back and Virginia Tech product Khalil Herbert with the Bears has been something. They took him in the sixth round of the 2021 draft. He and the Bears' 23-20 home win over the Houston Texans in week three. 20 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. I know that there have been concerns with him in pass protection, but has he supplanted David Montgomery as the Bears' number one running back? No, no, it's still David Montgomery, um, but they're kind of using that one-two punch. Um, Herbert's been really good. He started four games last year when Montgomery got hurt. He started a game um, against the Giants this year when Montgomery got hurt, and that's kind of been the thing with Montgomery is the injuries. I love Herbert's game. Um, I think they can have a good one-two punch with him and Montgomery. I think the Bears also got lucky. I think if Herbert went to Virginia Tech for four years instead of going to Kansas for 30 and then Virginia Tech, he probably would have been a higher draft pick. They might not have gotten him. Um, I, I think he's a steal. And it's interesting because the run game was really good the first couple of weeks of the season. I mean, they were running all over teams. They run into the Giants. They run into the Vikings. And it's kind of just fallen flat on their face. I think Fields is a leading rusher in both of those games for them. I think they can get back on track this week, um, and I think you'll see a steady dose of Montgomery, probably 60-40 backfield split. Um, they'll, they'll also have a, rec uh, a rookie, I'm sorry, Tristan Ebner out of Baylor, who, who comes in on passing downs um, out of the backfield. So you'll see kind of three guys back there uh, a lot for the Bears. 
We're talking Commander's Bears with Zach Pearson, Bears insider for BearReport.com and co-host of the Bear Report podcast. Uh, Bears receivers and tight ends, uh, not a lot of big names. Is the group an overall weakness? Yeah, I think it's a weakness. Um, they got Cole Komet and then a bunch of guys that um, kind of just didn't really make it on other teams or kind of, I don't want to say cast-offs or anything like that, but probably wouldn't start on any other NFL team as well. Cole Komet's probably been the bigger disappointment out of that. Can't blame the other guys, you know, Chase Allen and guys like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because Komet was supposed to be the guy that really breaks out in this offense, especially with the lack of weapons at wide receiver outside of uh, Darnell Mooney. He was going to get a lot of the targets, and he just has been pretty bad, to be honest. Um, you know, he hasn't really developed. He was a second-round pick in 2020. They passed up on a lot of defensive talent, a lot of other wide receivers to draft him. And, you know, he, he flashes that talent sometimes. Then all of a game, you know, like in Minnesota, he had a couple catches, you know, 40, 50 yards. But then all of a game, we'll have, you know, two targets, no catches. Um, he didn't have a touchdown last season, doesn't have a touchdown this this season. He's just a guy who, you know, they want to use as a blocker. They want to use as a tight end who kind of stretches the field. He's drawn the comparison to Kyle Rudolph a couple times. It's just, it hasn't been there. And he'll struggle with pass catching. He'll struggle with yards after the catch and, and missing blocks. Um, he's really got to turn it around because I, I think he can be a weapon in this offense for Justin Fields. The Bears defense, uh, what have you liked? What haven't you liked? Yeah, um, what I have liked is the secondary for the most part. You know, Kyler Gordon's a rookie. He struggled. They were missing Jalen Johnson. They, they should be getting him back this week. Um, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Briscoe on the back end as the safeties have been fantastic for the Bears. Um, you know, their secondary really depends on if Jalen Johnson plays. Because if he doesn't, um, you know, they had to go with Jalen Jones, who was an undrafted rookie out of Ole Miss. Um, Kendall Vildor, who struggled. And then Kyler Gordon, the second-round pick, has also struggled. But for the most part, the secondary has been good. The run defense is just, it's horrific. It is really bad. It's like historically bad. Uh, they've given up over, I want to say it's over 153 times. They've given up over 200 twice this year. Um, you can gash them uh, in the, up the middle, especially and on the edges. You know, Robert Quinn had the 18 sack season last year, record breaking here in Chicago, but he's been pretty quiet this year. They haven't really gotten much from the pass rush in general. So, you know, I think if Washington's looking to kind of exploit things, I'd get that run game going early, try running up the middle on them, open up the pass game a little bit. I think um, for the most part, all the running backs the Bears have faced this year, they've hit their over in, uh, in total yards, um, except by the gambling lines, uh, pretty quick in those games. Um, so, yeah, your teams can run all over the Bears. I think passing on the Bears might be a little more difficult this week just because Jalen Johnson's back, and, you know, that'll force Kendall Wilder back to the outside and Kyler Gordon into the sloth. The situation with linebacker Roquan Smith became a big deal in August when he, in a written statement, said that he had requested a trade after contract negotiations between himself and the Bears had reached an impasse. Uh, well, he is still with the Bears. He's playing under the fifth-year option of his rookie contract and then is set to be an unrestricted free agent in the 2023 offseason. How's he doing, and how do you see his situation playing out? Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, you know, you look at a guy who's switching um, defenses this year. The Bears, you know, uh, changed up their fronts. And in last year, actually, it was four years here in Chicago, he's pretty much played strictly in the middle. And he's been that middle linebacker, the leader of the defense. Now he's kind of switched to that weak side linebacker. And I think he struggled. And when it kind of came out, I understood where both sides were coming from. I usually am pro player. I think they should get paid what they you know deserve to get paid. And in the defense the Bears were running last year, that 3-4, he should have got paid. He's a really damn good linebacker. He's probably one of the better in, in the NFL. Um, switching over to this 4-3, um, that hadn't been the case. So I understand where Ryan Poles was coming from. you, you got to see him in this defense. I think they made him a fair offer in their eyes. He obviously didn't think it was a fair offer. So, yeah, it's it's something that they didn't get a deal done, and he strictly went to football focus. Um, I don't think they're negotiating at all during the season, anything like that. They can use a franchise tag on him to keep him here another year. But he's kind of been a little bit of a disappointment playing that weak side linebacker here in Chicago. This is year one for the Bears with a new regime. Uh, they this past January hired Ryan Poles as general manager and Matt Eberflus as head coach. What are your impressions of Poles and Eberflus so far? Yeah, um, it's a little different for both. I, I think head coaching-wise, Matt Eberflus is a guy, he, he wasn't the sexy hire. They didn't go after the offensive-minded head coach, which is fine. 
they kind of went with the quote unquote safer bet, a, a, a real players coach. And I, I kind of noticed that early on. Right away, he said he wanted control of the offense, defense, special teams. He wanted to monitor it all. He didn't want to call the plays on defense. He didn't want to call the plays on offense. He wanted to be in all the meeting rooms and help out with everything. And I think guys really bought into his hits principle. They bought into him being a real players coach and in, in the family type atmosphere they have here in Chicago. So I think it's worked out well. They're, they're not going to make a lot, a lot of mistakes. They're not going to um, commit a lot of penalties. You know, for the most part, they've done a good job of that this year. They have had kind of a couple loafs, as they call them, where you know the um, the ball will be on the ground on an incomplete pass. It looks like the fumble. They won't jump on it. Things like that. They'll miss blocks. Um, so for the most part, they've done really well with that. And I think he's done a good job installing that here. I think the criticism with Ryan Poles is you look at the Bears offseason. They brought in um, EQ St. Brown from Green Bay. They brought in Byron Pringle. They traded for Nikhil Harry. They um, signed Dante Pettis. They signed Amir Smith-Marset. And they only had Darnell Marie returning at wide receiver. When your franchise is seeking a quarterback and they have a young quarterback who you want to develop and you want to see if, if he's the guy this year or maybe next year, you got to surround him with talent. I don't think they did a good job of that. They drafted Valus Jones Jr., an older rookie in the third round. They passed up a lot of other offensive talent. So, you know, George Pickens was a guy that passed up, Sky Moore, um, Khalil Shakir in Buffalo. Guys like that who, you know, maybe they're not going to come in and be wide receiver one right away, but they can get reps and learn and get established in this in this offense. Instead, you know, they waited. They went with Valus Jones in the third round, and then they waited to draft a tackle in the fifth round and then spent like the next three picks on offensive linemen kind of taking, you know, lottery tickets um one of them is on ir who probably wasn't going to play the other one um, is on the practice squad and the other one um, is, is a third string guard so i don't think he did a great job of surrounding justin fields with talent um you know i think he could have done a better job now they do have a lot of money this year um, and come up from free agency to spend wide receiver class is not very strong um they'll have their first round pick they haven't had it um past two years or they didn't have it last year i'm sorry so they have options to kind of fix his team. I just didn't. I just don't think he did a good job early on, um, kind of adding talent to the offense where you know, especially it needed to be. One more for you. There was a good bit of talk last season and then this past off season about Washington potentially acquiring quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Uh, the Commanders, of course, ended up trading for quarterback Carson Wentz in March. Trubisky, of course, ended up signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers as an unrestricted free agent in March. And his run as Steelers starting quarterback is already over, uh, lasted for just four games. The Bears, of course, had Trubisky for four seasons, 2017 through 2020. Uh, there was this like renewed optimism with him off his one season as the Buffalo Bills backup quarterback. I'm just curious, from your perspective, what do you make of what happened with Trubisky with the Steelers? Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, a lot of people I talked to on Bears Twitter and a lot of reporters that cover the team, we all saw the tweets from Steelers fans of the highs and lows of Mr. Trubisky. <laughs> and it was deja vu for all of us here in Chicago. Um, he is what he is. I don't like, like Fields. I don't think he was in a great situation right away with John Fox. Um, they had Mike Glennon come in, start the season. Um, and then with Matt Nagy, I think it was a little bit of both. I don't think Matt, like, Matt Nagy really liked Mitch Trubisky after a season there in Chicago. Um, I don't think Trubisky really fit in with what Matt Nagy wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of all saw it coming here in Chicago. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I don't think he's a top tier quarterback. I don't wouldn't even say he's a top 20, 25. He's a guy who's going to be a journeyman, going to, you know, get on some teams, come in. Um, so yeah, it, it, it wasn't really shocking to us to kind of see what happened. Nothing against him. He's an awesome guy. I've had one-on-ones with him. He's, he's a great guy. I do wish him the best, um, in, in all the success in the future, but it's just not a quarterback that you know worked out in Chicago, and unfortunately, I'll say this: it wasn't his fault. He was in the Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson <laughs> draft class because Mahomes is a, a surefire Hall of Famer. He could be the best ever to do it when it's all said and done. And outside of the legal stuff and the personal stuff with Watson, he's a good quarterback talent. So yeah, that kind of hurt Trubisky, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he just, he is what he is. He's, he's a quarterback that's going to make some plays. His quarterback's going to make a lot of bad plays. Um, and we saw a lot of that here in Chicago. And you could tell right away, I mean, right after 2018, you know, at, at actually at the end of the year, you know, the defense kind of carried him to the playoffs. But at the end of the year, 
those final couple games, that offense was really, really bad down the stretch. And looking at that playoff game, they, they only put up like 13 or 14 points against the Eagles. Should have had a lot more. And I think, you know, his inaccuracy and his, um, not being consistent really hurt this team. All right, great stuff. Zach Pearson, Bears insider for BearReport.com and co-host of the Bear Report podcast. Uh, Zach, thanks a lot for your time and all the best to you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, up next, brace yourselves. My rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Bears. Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are major issues. Uh, You perhaps have heard of VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online. I want to tell you about NordVPN. NordVPN keeps your internet connection safe and private and allows you to access region-locked content. With NordVPN, you can safely stream sports, television shows, and movies wherever you travel in the world. NordVPN is one of the most user-friendly VPN services on the market, so you can easily set it up on your smart TV or Apple TV and enjoy watching games with your friends and family. NordVPN shields your data from snoops and criminals, protects you on public Wi-Fi connections, and allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so that you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. And NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. In fact, even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. Go to nordvpn.com slash algaldi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a free month. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. nordvpn.com slash algaldi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The 1-4 Commanders are at the 2-3 and three Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football at 8-15. Washington, since the start of the 1987 season, is 15-4 and four against the Bears in the regular season, although the last meeting between the two teams was a Redskins loss. September 23, 2019, a 31-15 Skins loss to the Bears at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football. The Skins starting quarterback, Case Keenum, committed five turnovers, three interceptions, 
and two lost fumbles. This was the London Flechter game. <laughs> the Skins, during halftime of the game, inducted linebacker London Fletcher into the ring of fame at FedEx Field, but a display of London on the video board had his name misspelled as Flechter, as in F-L-E-C-T-H. E-R. Hey, what do you want, okay? The team to correctly spell the last name of the guy who's being inducted into the team's ring of fame? I mean, geez, stop being so demanding, please. Uh, anyway, how do the commanders snap their four-game losing streak and get to two and four? My friends, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for Rhyming Keys, my keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, these rhymes, uh, they are not meant to be good. Uh, they are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. Rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Bears. How do the commanders win this game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one. This for the commander's defensive line. That bears O-line. You should be busting in order to hammer Justin. Uh, as we heard last segment from Zach Pearson, Bears insider for BearReport.com and co-host of the Bear Report podcast, the interior of the Bears offensive line has been a big problem, not unlike the interior of the commander's offensive line. Pro football focus grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Bears center Sam Mustafer for the 2022 regular season has an overall grade per PFF of just 51. Uh, Bears left guard Lucas Patrick for the 2022 regular season has an overall grade per PFF of just 56.9. Uh, now, the Bears through week five are number eight in the NFL and team pass block win rate per ESPN for the 2022 regular season, but there are holes on this Bears offensive line and Bears quarterback Justin Fields, like a lot of mobile quarterbacks, Take sacks. Uh, he threw five games in the 2022 regular season, has a sack percentage of 17. That is a sky-high sack percentage. For comparison's sake, Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz threw five games in the 2022 regular season, has a sack percentage of 8.7, and that's a high sack percentage. Uh, a sneaky positive for the Commanders has been their defensive line. That may sound funny given all of the hype that the defensive line has had for years, but the D-line this season really isn't getting a lot of attention, but the D-line is performing well, even with, right, edge defender Chase Young having been on the reserve physically unable to perform list since August 23rd. Uh, interior defensive lineman Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen are having very good seasons. Edge defender Montez Sweat was outstanding in the commander's last game, the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon. Montez finished that game with two sacks, four quarterback hits, and three tackles for loss. Edge defender James Smith-Williams was really good in that game. He finished the game with a sack and four quarterback hits. And the commanders are getting sneaky good production from edge defenders Casey Tuhill and F.A. Obata. How about this? Through week five, Tuhill is number two among all qualified players in the NFL in pass rushing efficiency per True Media for the 2022 regular season. And Obata is number four. Uh, on a snap-per-snap -snap basis, these guys have been really good. There's also this. The Commanders, through Week 5, are number 9 in the NFL in team pass rush win rate per ESPN for the 2022 regular season. Bottom line, the Bears this season are giving up sacks, and the Commanders' pass rush this season has been very good. Uh, the Commanders, in the loss to the Titans, totaled 5 sacks and 13 quarterback hits. No reason that the Commanders' defensive line can't produce a similar output on Thursday night, rhyming key number one, this for the commander's defensive line, that bears O-line, you should be busting in order to hammer Justin. Uh, rhyming key for commander's bears number two, this also is for the commander's defense. Do not give up the big play to the monsters of the midway. Uh, the commander's defense has played well enough to win each of the team's last three games. There's a lot to like with this commander's defense right now. Uh, the defense has been very good on third downs. The defense has been very good against the run. There are, though, two significant nits to pick. Number one, the commanders incredibly have just one takeaway over five games in the 2022 regular season. And number two, 
the Commanders do continue to give up the big play. As good as the Commanders' defense was overall in that loss to the Titans, the Commanders did give up that 61-yard pass play, right? Safety Bobby McCain got burned by receiver Nick Westbrook-Akina on a 61-yard reception in the third quarter. The Bears' offense overall isn't good, but the Bears, through Week 5, are, believe it or not, tied for sixth in the NFL in big plays in the 2022 regular season. 37 big plays. Uh, Big plays, in this case, are defined as passing plays of at least 20 yards and running plays of at least 10 yards. Uh, How about this with Justin Fields? So he, over five games in the 2022 regular season, has just 49 completions and has thrown for just 679 yards and three touchdowns, but he is number one among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in yards per completion at 13.86. Fields doesn't connect often, uh, but when he does connect, he can connect big. Rhyming key number two, this is for the commander's defense, do not give up the big play to the monsters of the midway. Rhyming key for commander's bears number three, this is for commander's running backs, tight ends, and offensive linemen. The rushing offense may be in need of repairs, but it can get right at the Bears. Uh, The Bears through week five are just 25th in the NFL in run defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. The Bears through week five are just 24th in the NFL in fewest yards allowed per carry in the 2022 regular season, 4.89. The Bears can be run on. Take a listen to some of these performances by running backs against the Bears so far this season. Week two, the Bears 27-10 loss at the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones, 15 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown. Week four, the Bears 2012 loss at the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley, 31 carries for 146 yards. Week five, the Bears 29-22 loss at the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook, 18 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns. You get the idea. Running backs and rushing offenses are feasting on the Bears' defense this season. Now, the Commanders' rushing offense has been really bad. The Commanders, through Week 5, a pathetic 31st, i.e. next to last in the NFL in rushing offense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. The running game in the loss to the Titans did basically nothing. Running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson combined for just 12 carries for 28 yards. But... This matchup on Thursday night certainly seems like a matchup conducive to the Commanders running game getting right. Remember, the Commanders running game in the first half of the 25-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys in week four was really good. Gibson and fellow running backs J.D. McKissick and Jonathan Williams in the first half of that game combined for 14 carries for 101 yards. But Gibson, McKissick, and Williams in the second half of that game combined for 12 carries for just 36 yards and then came the running game doing basically nothing in the loss to the Titans. Rhyming key, number three, this for commanders, running backs, tight ends, and offensive linemen. The rushing offense may be in need of repairs, but it can get right at the Bears. And one more, it is number four. Rhyming key for commanders, Bears, number four. This is for the entire commanders team. Yes, this season has been far from heaven, but you can still do as you did in 2007. Do you remember the last time that Washington played the Bears on Thursday night football? December 6th, 2007. A 24-16 Redskins win over the Bears at FedEx Field. This is known in some parts as the Todd Collins game. The skin starting quarterback, Jason Campbell, got injured. He was replaced by backup Todd Collins. The offense with Collins at quarterback looked different, looked more efficient. Collins in the game killed it 15 of 20 for 224 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. And he ended up being the skin starting quarterback the rest of the season as they went from 5 and 7 to 9 and 7 and made the playoffs as a wild card team. That Thursday night win over the Bears changed everything for that 2007 Redskins team. Well, (laughs) why not something similar 
on this Thursday night. And yeah, I'm sure that some of you right now are saying, yeah, why not Taylor Heineke or Sam Howell off the bench to replace Carson Wentz? Well, who knows? Uh, Although Carson overall played well in the loss to the Titans last Sunday afternoon. But the point is that sometimes all that you need is a win. The Commanders so far this season have been a really bad team. And maybe that's just what they are, a really bad team. But they can't think that. You and I can think that, but they can't think that. They do still have 12 regular season games left. A lot can change. Why not start the change on Thursday night? Rhyming key number four, this for the entire Commanders team. Yes, this season has been far from heaven, but you can still do as you did in 2007. All right, it is prediction time. The line for this game per win bet as of very early Thursday morning is a pick'em. I have picked the commanders in each of their last three games. I have been dead wrong each time, and so I am picking them again. Yes, I am. Uh, They're not going to lose out. They're not going to lose out, are they? No, they're not going to lose out. The truth is that the commander's defense is playing well. Their pass rush has been good. Their run defense has been good. The Bears' offensive line has not been good. Justin Fields isn't good. Not yet anyway. Combine all of that with a Bears' run defense that has been quite bad. And boy, if the commanders can't win this game, when exactly are they going to win a game again? So, commanders 20, Bears 13, corner Rashad Wild Goose with an interception for the commander's first takeaway since week one. The Goose will be on the loose. Well, not exactly the start to the Capitals' 2022-2023 regular season that we wanted. Uh, A 5-2 loss to the Boston Bruins at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. Uh, The Caps got ripped in this game. Now, it is true that the Caps are without multiple key players. Center Nicholas Backstrom is out. He may well not play this season. Heck, his career could be over. Uh, Backstrom on June 17th underwent left hip resurfacing surgery in Belgium. Uh, Forward Tom Wilson is out. He's coming off surgery in late May to repair a torn left ACL that he suffered in the Caps 4-2 win at the Florida Panthers on May 3rd in Game 1 of the Caps' six-game loss to the Panthers in the first round of the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. And forward Carl Haglin is out. Uh, He on Monday underwent an arthroscopic surgical procedure to address his chronic left hip. Uh, He already was trying to come back from a serious left eye injury that he suffered in practice this past March 1st. So all of those guys are out for the Caps. But, you know, the Bruins are without some key players. The Bruins are without forward Brad Marchand and defenseman Charlie McAvoy due to offseason surgeries. Look, the Caps on Wednesday night just were not good. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper in his Caps regular season debut stopped just 25 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped just four of the seven high danger shots on goal that he faced. Now, it is true that the Caps were not great in front of Kemper, but you know, Kemper on Wednesday night had a performance that reeked way too much of what we saw way too often from now former Caps goaltenders Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek in recent seasons. The Caps on July 13th, what was day one of NHL free agency, gave Darcy Kemper a mega money contract by NHL standards, assigned him as an unrestricted free agent to a five-year 2625 million dollar deal. Now look, the NHL regular season is so long, right? We are one game into an 82 game Caps regular season, but you know, Kemper is here to be a stud goaltender. He is here to be the Caps number one goaltender. He is here to be a franchise goaltender for the Caps. And you know, he was not that on Wednesday night. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on the performance of Darcy Kemper. Um, I thought he was good. I don't. I don't think we were very good in front of him. Um, you know, the the Pasternak one was a quick turnaround. It was tricky where it comes through a screen and you're not quite ready for it. But the rest of them are. You know, we got to do better things in front of him. Yes, you do. Uh, bad game for defenseman John Carlson. Uh, he finished with a game worst plus minus rating of minus four and finished next to last on the caps in five on five shot attempt percentage per natural stat trick for the game at 34.62. The caps with Carlson on the ice in five on five situations had just nine shot attempts versus allowing 17 shot attempts. Carlson totally loafed 
on an even strength goal by forward David Krejci, 16-17 into the third period for a 4-2 Bruins lead. You know, the Caps trailed in the second period, 3-0, did then cut the deficit to 3-2, but then Krejci skated right by Carlson on a breakaway to where Krejci was able to deposit the rebound of a shot by forward David Pasternak in the low slot. Uh, Not a good look for John Carlson, not a good game for John Carlson. Uh, the Caps went just 2-3 or three on the penalty kill. The Caps went 0-4 on the power play. Uh, the Caps had 17 giveaways to the Bruins' 8. Center of Getty Kuznetsov had a game-worst 4 giveaways. He also committed a first-period high-sticking minor. Kuznetsov did have 5 shots on goal, but the Caps went just to 22-37 and 37 on face-offs. Like, there was a lot not to like about the Caps on Wednesday night. Uh, they did win the puck possession battle. Caps per natural stat trick. 47 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Bruins, 41. Caps had 35 shots on goal to the Bruins, 30. The Caps were physical. Uh, They out-hit the Bruins, 48-32. Defenseman Martin Fehervari, a game-high 10 hits, although he did commit a third-period tripping minor. Uh, Forward Alex Ovechkin, 9 hits. Uh, He had three shots on goal, but no points. Uh, Forward Anthony Mantha had a second-period even-strength goal, a game-high tying six shots on goal, and finished number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage per natural stat trick for the game at 66.67. The Caps with Mantha on the ice in five-on-five situations had 20 shot attempts versus allowing 10 shot attempts. Uh, It is a long season, no doubt. Uh, So, you know, again, we're not going to go crazy over one game, but uh, this was not a good performance by the Caps on Wednesday night. I do want to say this. Great to see the Caps bring back their Rock the Red Carpet event. Uh, first time in three years we had this. Thank you, COVID. Uh, but the Caps on Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 5 hosted a Rock the Red Carpet event that featured players arriving at Capital One Arena red carpet style, greeting fans, posing for pictures, signing autographs, uh, really good stuff. Next up for the Caps, a game on Thursday night uh, at the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7.30, and the expectation is that ex-cap Ilya Samsonov will be the Leafs' starting goaltender. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 421, will feature in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens with the 1-4 Commanders in their game at the 2-3 Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football beginning at 8.15. I will talk college football, Goldilocks for college football week seven, including a new addition to the Goldilocks family, number 25, James Madison. Yes, the Dukes. They are in the Associated Press Top 25, so they have earned a spot and Goldilocks. So previews and picks for Maryland at Indiana Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Number 25, James Madison at Georgia Southern Saturday afternoon at 4. Virginia Tech home to Miami Saturday afternoon at 12.30 in the Hokies homecoming game and Navy at SMU Friday night at 7.30. And on Friday's show, we'll talk Capitals. Uh, They on Thursday night are at the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Stop, Bears! Stop, Bears! <laughs>